Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Uh, this morning we'll be reading John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. Uh, this is the conclusion of a fairly long chunk of John. It's actually taken us four weeks to get through this particular uh, chunk of, or four, three, four, I don't know how many weeks it's been. It's been a while. Um, this started out, uh, the, the, the setting here, we started out with Jesus feeding 5,000 people out in kind of a wilderness area. Um, he fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and a few fish. He showed himself to be God, the provider. Uh, then he sent his disciple or let his disciples go across the lake. They got stuck in the middle of the lake in a storm, and he showed himself walking across the water, displaying his power first over food and providing for people, then his power over nature as he walked across the water, all together showing himself to be God. But then he didn't stop at showing it, showing it to them. He told them about it at, at some length. That's why it's taken us so long then that when the people found him the next day, he enters into this lengthy discourse about how he is the bread of life, the true bread, the best bread. And it just, and they, the, the, the people listening to him, the Jewish leaders and the others, they start questioning him. And it really, he really just keeps doubling down. They're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? He's like, no, no, I am the bread of life. The bread you've had before, the manna your forefathers ate in the wilderness, they all died. Only the true bread that comes down from heaven who are you? And he's like, actually, you have to eat my bread, my body and drink my blood. Otherwise, you have no life. He just keeps, he keeps doubling down on these hard teachings. Say, look, it, I am the only way. And on the one hand, it's glorious. Jesus is offering himself. He's saying, look, 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 you can have life, real life, true life, eternal life. And on the other hand, he's saying, look, there's no other options. So it's both a wonderful, beautiful, inviting teaching, and it's a hard and challenging teaching. And so today, as we conclude this section uh, in verses 60 to 71, we're going to see the response to that. And the response to that is that a lot of people said, forget this. We cannot do this anymore. Now, one quick note before I read it, uh, when it's, it says here, many of his disciples if you've grown up in the church or been around the church, you're probably accustomed to associating disciples with the 12 disciples, you know, Matthew and John and James and the others. Uh, and that'll confuse you here because this, when it says disciples, this is the larger group of disciples. Disciples here are all the people who were following Jesus. But what's significant is that before we saw the Jewish leaders were grumbling and complaining. And now it is Jesus's own disciples, people who followed him, who believed in him, and they too do not understand what is going on. So let's read now from John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you have given to us, but we thank you especially this morning for this word that Jesus spoke so long ago and that was written down and preserved for us that just as it was your word for the people back then, it could be your word for us this morning. So we pray that you would take your word, and as we reflect on it together, would you sink it deep into our hearts, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but truly transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think and feel and live, today and in the days to come. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And when you think back over the past... Uh, hundred or so years, there's a lot of things that have happened over the past hundred or so years. And in particular, there is a tremendous number, a tremendous amount of technological progress, of scientific understanding. Amazing things have happened. A hundred years ago, we were barely figuring out how electricity worked. And now, I'm barely figuring out how radios work, barely starting to fly airplanes. And now we're flying things all around the world. We're flying things up to space. We have instantaneous communication all around the world. All triumphs of human understanding and reason, many of which have made our lives better in so many ways. Now it would be hard to judge what of these would be like the most impressive, the most significant. But I've got to say that up there, up there as my children go through basic chemistry and physics, and they learn about atoms and electrons and all these things, one of the most significant, impressive accomplishments is that we figured out how to split atoms and make nuclear power. I mean, it's really remarkable when you think about it, what we can do with, with these tiny little units of energy. We figured out how to harness them and make power out of them. A tremendous human accomplishment of human reason. And yet, and yet, what have we done with that power? And we sit here once again for perhaps the scariest time related to nuclear power for many of us in a generation or so, wondering what might happen as there is again war in Europe and there are, there, there are nuclear weapons, they're not involved, but we all kind of wonder, well, could, could somebody use one of those? And what fools we are to trust in human reason, to think that just because we can figure out how to make something, that we can know how to use it well. And it's not just about nuclear power. That may be on the tip of our minds, nuclear power, nuclear weapons, right now at this moment. And yet there's so many other areas of life where we can see this, things that people thought were good, great building projects. Oh, this will be great. This will be grand and then they fall down and collapse. Great sailing ships that can sail across the ocean 
and then end up at the bottom because they hit icebergs. Human reason never quite makes it. God has gifted us with a great measure of reason to figure things out. But when we think that we are the ones who can figure it all out, it all goes wrong. What in the world does this have to do with John chapter 6? What's going on here is fundamentally, first the Jewish leaders who are grumbling against Jesus, and now Jesus' own disciples are falling back on their own reason. Do you catch this? In verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Well, in whose judgment? Fundamentally, what's happening to them is the same thing that happens to all of us so often, so naturally. We substitute our own judgments for the judgments of God. Our own opinions for the opinions of God. And while God has gifted us with a great ability to do things, a great ability to reason and understand, we're not going to get it right. We're not going to make ultimate judgments rightly. And when we do, we end up rejecting Jesus himself and his teachings. And that's what these disciples said here. Not the 12, but the other disciples looked and said, we can't, it's a hard teaching. And, and Jesus, again, Jesus does not back down. You know, if I tell you something and you tell me, man, that's hard, Jimmy. I don't know if I can go along with that. I might dial it back some. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. What if, what, if we, what if we say it this way? Or what if we say it this way? Or could you do this? And Jesus just, he just goes straight ahead. They say this is a hard teaching. And Jesus says, oh, yeah? Well, what if you saw me go back up to heaven? How would you feel about that? He says, there's no, you don't, you don't get to sit in judgment on my teaching. You don't get to decide for yourself whether this is the teaching that you want. Here's the key. It's really in verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. See, Jesus is telling them, they're grumbling. They're saying this is hard. He's saying, look, your flesh, your human reasoning is not going to help you here. The only thing that can help you here is the spirit. I am offering you, I, Jesus, am offering you the words of spirit and life. And so the, our problem, our main problem here is that we're trusting in our own reason. We try to reason our way out of things. We try to decide what we will accept and what we won't accept. And the main thing that this is telling us about God, the main thing this is telling us about God is that the Spirit gives life. That's the main thing in these verses. The Spirit gives life. Life and truth and hope and reason all come from God alone. And whatever our human instincts are to think about that, we have to set them aside and say, no, no. All we can do is trust in the Spirit who gives life. So if the main thing we see here about God is that the Spirit gives life, then the main thing that we are called to do is simply to cling to Jesus. Not to step back and grumble, not to step back and ask questions, not to step back and, and say, ah, that's not how I would say it, Jesus, or not this way or that way but to trust in the Spirit who gives life, to trust in the words of Jesus. And we see the model for that, the model response here. We don't, we don't always get model responses from anybody in the Gospels, but here's one. that Many disciples have turned away. 
Verse 69, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's all we can know. The main thing about God is that the Spirit gives life. The main thing we need to do is cling to him. There is nowhere else to go. In Peter's words, there we hear the stirring declaration, you have the words of eternal life. But we also hear the giving up. To whom shall we go? There's nowhere else to go. There's nothing better. We see littered across the pages of human history, the failure of human reason, the failure of other systems, the failure of governments and empires and philosophies, none of which can last. Whether we're talking about big picture in the pages of human history or things we've tried in our own lives, trying to fix it for ourselves, trying to make it our better, the latest self-help plan, making lists, waking up early, exercise, good discipline, all these things are good, but none of them are going to do it for us. All we can do is cling to Jesus. Where else shall we go? There's nowhere else to go. Only the Spirit gives life. So we turn away from our own ideas. We turn away from our own thoughts about what is best and right, and we cling to Jesus. How can we do that? When can we do that? When is this really, when is this, it sounds nice on Sunday morning. Yes, yeah, Sunday morning, cling to Jesus. Okay, good. But what does that look like on Monday? What does that look like on Tuesday? What does that look like when there's war? What does that look like when people abandon us? What does that look like when people hurt us? We see here three particular times that we'll run through quickly. Three particular times that we need to cling to Jesus. The first is when words, when the words are hard. Second is when others turn away. And the third is when doubt creeps up in ourselves. We cling to Jesus when the words are hard, when others turn away, and when doubt creeps up. First, when the words are hard, this, this was the problem. This was verse 60. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? When the words of Jesus bump up against our human ideas of what we should do, of what is right, what is good, or maybe not even our ideas of what is right and good, but just our ideas of what we want to do, it's hard. And those words rub against us. Here, the words of Jesus that were hard were the words of him saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. In this case, the words were as much confusing as anything else. And so sometimes we see things in the, in the Bible where, I, what does this mean? And that can, that's hard. We see other things. What does this mean? What does this mean that God is three in one? What does that mean? What does it mean that you made men this way and women this way? What, what does that mean? What does this mean that you want me to give up my life to serve others? What does that mean? What is all this stuff in the Old Testament? What does all of this mean? Sometimes we can see all these things in the Bible. And it's just, this is hard. This is confusing. So I can't, I can't do this. I can't understand this. And if I can't understand it, I can't go along with it. I need to figure it out for myself. And when that happens, when the words are hard, we cling to Jesus. We say, you know what? I don't understand this. But I don't understand particle physics either. So there's a lot of things that I don't understand. And so I need to look for somebody else that does understand. And we're talking about spiritual matters. Jesus is the one who understands. Sometimes they're not hard because it's hard to understand. Sometimes they're hard because we just don't like them. It's not actually that hard to understand what it means to give up your life to serve others. It's just hard to do it. And just think, I, I don't want to do that. 
And Jesus says that he who loses his life will gain it. And you're like, eh, are you sure, Jesus? Doesn't feel like it. I don't really see how that's going to work out. I say, well, am I smarter or is Jesus smarter? Is Jesus just telling me to do something or did he actually do this for himself? See, when the words are hard, it's not just, oh, there's a God out there. You got to trust in the God out there. It's that Jesus actually came and lived these words. So when Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he should lay down his life for his friends, then he went and laid down his life. When Jesus said that, uh, that if he who loses his life will gain it, he lost his life and he rose from the dead. He put his money where his mouth was, as we say. And he went to his death and he came back to life. So they're not just abstract words. This is a person that we cling to. Somebody who has been there and lived it. So we say the words are hard. So yeah, I don't know if I buy this. Jesus, you did it. And not just Jesus. But Jesus' followers have done it all through the centuries. They've taken the words and they followed them. And they've seen their death turn into life. They've seen their hardship where people have sinned against them and they have forgiven them. And they have seen new life spring in those relationships and in the others of the people watching. So we are not just figuring this out abstractly. We are following a person in a story in real life. So when the words are hard, we can still cling to Jesus. Now I said people follow Jesus and we see the example of that. We've seen the example throughout history, but, but that can be a hard too. It's hard to Jesus to cling to Jesus when others turn away. We see this, verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. That's not how the story was supposed to go. Right? They were questioning, yeah, we get questions all throughout the Psalms. Jesus, this is hard, who can follow? And he says, well, yeah, it's hard, but I'm God. I came down from heaven, I'm going back to heaven, come with me. And they're supposed to say, yes, okay, Jesus, we're with you but they don't. They don't. People turn away. And when people turn away, when Jesus' followers turn away, it can be so hard to keep going. What is it that kills most of our faith in Jesus? It's the sense of, of failure and loss in relationships, of people letting us down. Maybe you haven't experienced that, but I'm betting that most of you have some of you very painfully and acutely. Maybe in individual relationships where somebody who said they were a Christian, they hurt you, they walked away from you, they walked away from their faith. Maybe it's been in a church setting where a church has not been faithful to following the words of Jesus. Maybe they turned away from the words and they said, we don't, we're not actually going to follow those anymore. Or maybe they kept parroting the words, but they didn't live it out in their lives. And it was painful. And I don't, I don't claim that our, our resurrection community here, as much as I love it, and I do love our resurrection community, you, know, you all know that, I don't claim that we're any kind of perfect church or perfect community. We will probably let you down too. And some of us will walk away. As sad as that is to imagine, some people will walk away. And yet, when we see that, we still cling to Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves, where is our faith? Where is our hope? Is our hope in the people around us? 
Do we come on Sunday morning to see people or do we come on Sunday morning to see Jesus? And yes, it is wonderful to see people. God's people is a wonderful thing. The community is a wonderful thing. We stand next to one another. We help one another. We turn one another to Jesus. It is a wonderful and beautiful thing. But ultimately, if we are not coming first and foremost to see Jesus, we will be disappointed. Because as much as Jesus works through his church, as much as Jesus changes the lives of his followers, all of Jesus' followers are still people. And some will hurt you. And some will fall away. And you will hurt other people. And yet, if we cling to Jesus together, if we come first and foremost to see Jesus, then we can hold on, even when people fall away, even when the world is falling apart, even when people hurt us. When people hurt us, we can come to them in forgiveness. When we hurt others, we can come to them in confession. Because it's not first and foremost based on our relationships with one another. It's first and foremost based on our relationships with Jesus. And as we cling to him, we see more and more, even as we hurt one another, even as we fall short in the ways we try to help, we see that the Spirit gives life. And the Spirit gives life in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain. So we cling to Jesus when the words are hard. We cling to Jesus when others turn away. We cling to Jesus when doubt creeps up, even in ourselves. All right, it doesn't say this explicitly in the text, but I think it's fair in verse, in verse 67, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? We don't know. Maybe Simon Peter had no doubt. He was Peter. He was pretty bold. But I'm willing to bet that there was a little bit of doubt creeping up. That in Jesus' question, do you also want to go? They're like, well, maybe. Maybe we should. Everybody else is going. As, as, a, friend, as, as a friend's uh, teenage son once said, so my friend said to his son, if everybody were to jump off a bridge, would you jump off the bridge too? In good parent to teenager fashion. And the teenager said, well, yeah, because if everybody's jumping off a bridge, there's probably a good reason, and I need to get off that bridge too. Right? We see everybody going a certain direction and say, well, maybe I need to go with them. Maybe this Jesus isn't all he's cracked up to be. And that doubt creeps up. Say, is this real? Is this worth giving my life to? Is this worth coming, getting up on Sunday morning, coming to church, going out during the week to go to community group, getting up early to read my Bible? Is this worth holding my tongue when other people have been mean to me? Is this worth praying for people who have hurt me, praying for my enemies? Is this worth forgiving somebody and offering a chance at reconciliation? Nobody else is doing those things. Maybe it's not worth it. I'll just keep my money for myself. There's a lot of good things in this world. I'm going to go and enjoy them. When doubt creeps up, we have to cling to Jesus. We look at these words, we hear the words say, well, it's only the Spirit that gives life. Anything else I try to do other than clinging to Jesus, I'm going to be figuring out for myself. And the flesh is no help at all. So if my flesh cannot help, all I can do is stand with Peter. In the times when doubt creeps up, say, Lord, to whom shall we go? Nothing else makes more sense. I cannot figure this out better. I cannot deny what the Spirit has done in my life. I cannot deny what the Spirit has done in the lives of so many people around me. I cannot deny that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And if I'm going to accept that, 
If I'm going to accept that historical fact that Jesus died on the cross, that He rose from the dead, that He said these things that He said, what other explanation do I have than He was in fact who He said He was? That He was God come down to earth. That our sins may be forgiven and that we may have eternal life with Him. So everything else that I give up on this earth is turned and transformed with life. Not just life eternal. I mean, that's a good trade, right? Trade all kinds of bad life on this earth for life eternal with Jesus. But He is so good and gracious that He gives us glimpses. He gives us glimpses of how death turns into life. How people go through dark periods where they make mistakes and they sin and they come out of it on the other side. And they say, Jesus has sustained me. I'm a changed man. We see glimpses of true community where we can love one another and enjoy fellowship together. We enjoy fun times and laughter together, but we also go through hard times together. Say, yes, I will help you out whatever you need. You can come and eat with me. I will bring food to you. You can use my car. I will take you wherever you need to go. I will come and spend time with you. I will sit with you. We'll spend good times and bad times together. We get these glimpses of the life because the Spirit gives life. But what do we have to do? We have to give up our own ideas. We have to give up our flesh to cling to Jesus and the Spirit that gives life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that was written down for us. We pray that you would sink it deep into our hearts by the power of that same spirit that Jesus spoke of. Would you speak to us now as we reflect on your word, on each one of us, what you are calling us to this morning. Speak spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.